Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Elliot Cohen, founder of the Bot Lab, on the topic of the rise of chatbots and the companies that use them. Welcome to another episode of the Collab Talk podcast, where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. And my guest today is Eliev Cohen, the founder of the Bot Lab, a hyper-optimized live chat chat bot that converts into revenue or a customer. Welcome, Eliev. Thanks for having me, Christian. Well, it's great. I, I'm I'm excited to dig into this because I, I don't think in the modern workspace. Like we've all the last five years have started to have experiences, some packaged chatbots and, and automation solutions out there. A number of companies have tried to go and automate and build their own. So I'm, I'm excited to dig in this topic. But we're, that's, that's what we're going to talk about, folks, today. We're talking about the, the rise of chatbots. Uh, uh, Will, do you have a date for when the, uh, what is it called, the, the moment when the self-awareness has the singularity? Do you, <laughs> do you have- I do actually. So okay. pretty right. wild. Before I, uh, you know, got into chatbots, I worked like big giant SaaS unicorn companies and failed to raise too much money and, and ran a lot of their sales and marketing departments. And uh, I thought I was like, screw it. I just want to fly hot air balloons. So I literally- was like, I'm just gonna, you know, quit all these giant companies that I was working for. And I'm literally gonna fly hot air balloons. And I started a hot air balloon company flying in front of a volcano, you know, in Seattle, you know, Mount Rainier. Yep. And I, when I started the site, I had live chat on it, right? Chatra back in like 2015. And people kept asking the same questions. And they were like, how high do you go? How, can my baby come? Can I have sex on the balloon? You know, like normal questions. Right? We all want to know the answers <laughs> to those questions, of course. The answer is, is that may be awkward for other guests. Probably yeah. not a good fit. But anyway, uh, you know, people kept asking the same questions. I was like, how do you automate this? Because there's got to be a way that instead of me, even live chatting is great, right? But how do you automate that and ask, answer real people's questions? How do you qualify? So I built this, uh, I, I found Drift, which was kind of the top platform at the time. And I started building this epic chatbot platform, you know, or chatbot. And I built it so it answered a hundred questions. What I found was there's really a hundred questions anyone really is going to ask about your brand, right? On a specific topic. If you're very, very large and have too many products and complicated, yeah, there's probably more specific use cases. But in general, there's about a hundred questions people have, like, does it integrate with this? Whatever, right? Uh, anyway, so uh, Drift was like, wow, you seem to be pretty good at doing this because I got rid of all the phone calls. I stopped answering my phone and just sent people back to the chatbot. And uh, so we started building for large companies and, you know, Drift. And then uh, as we became kind of the super user there uh, on Drift, it turned into this whole other company outside of ballooning. And so each morning I still fly balloons, you know, during the summer in front of Mount Rainier. Yeah. And then during the day we build these, you know, AI chatbots. And so I was chatting with a with a giant, um, as we were building more and more for these companies having, you know, really optimized their entire like revenue acceleration in general, you know, making it uh, easy to chat or both meetings where they needed. Um, 
we basically found that the that the highest converting areas were not like a wasn't like a random chatbot that popped up. It was actually just something that was contextual. Yeah. Right, like a contextual article. You right, know, right. Or, well, that's why, I mean, a lot of, well, if you look at like the history before it was all automated and the chatbots were created, a lot of the, so I remember working with a customer in 2005 where we went and looked at some of the live chat tools. Like before we started recording, you talked about you know, some of the, the live chat capabilities. And, and so, so much of it was, it was just making sure that we were building out the knowledge base. You tell, you said, find the, the hundred most common questions that was in that knowledge base, but there was always a human then through the chat tools was answering the actual questions and they were looking stuff up right there. It's, it's kind of like now, if you ever get through to a support desk, so much of that can be automated uh, because, yeah. and I don't know why they haven't with a lot of those, like, you know, have you tried turning it off and on again? Have you tried doing and like going through, <laughs> but like the standard things, which they need to ask to make sure that customers have done those fundamental steps. So is it, a, it isn't something as stupid as, no, I haven't tried turning it off and on and on and it might fix it. Well, I think more and more that's happening in the customer service space. Like there's some awesome AI tools in general that people have really figured out. I think the larger challenge is everyone focused on like, hey, customer service and automating like phone trees, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's really the prospect experience, right? Like you come to a website and you're like, I have a question. If I can get this one question answered, I'll book a demo. Or if I can get this one question answered, I will buy this product. And what I found for myself, you know, during the pandemic, I was trying to get a new mic, you know, right? Everyone's got on Zoom meetings. I'm like, looking online, I was like, I want one. They will both work on my computer and could connect to my iPhone. Yeah. I would have spent 1200 to 1500 bucks on a mic. Instead, I got a Rode mic, which is great because there's no way to get that question answered. And so it, it was interesting, whether it's on like the brand side or an affiliate site or a third-party site, um, and that's actually where, where it's been interesting lately is because of that, I actually ended up building kind of a new platform on top that kind of just expands the, the regular chat from the site. So for example, let's say you're looking up a mic or even like someone on your website, you know, you have a lot of cool podcast guys that come on or interesting folks. And let's say you do a blog post about them. <laughs> well, if that on that article if someone has a question and they're like, hey, I want to connect with this guy, wouldn't it be cool if they could just click a button and it would allow them to like still be on your site, but to just book a meeting from that article or like live chat on your site because you talked to them. So it's instead of making people push all over the place. So I ended up building a building basically a, a new platform uh, that we call Helium, which is the homage to my ballooning stuff, right? <laughs> that Basically, it just allows the third-party chat of whatever chatbot a company has to integrate it then onto any third-party article, article, review site, co content, whatever is across the web. So it's really like, okay, you got on your own website. Great. People come to your website, convert them. We all know chat works there. And always happy to chat more about like stats. And so, I mean, I built for some largest like companies in the world now. So we do like mid-market and enterprise public companies. But the cool thing is like, it's that dark funnel. And this is the future where chat's going. Is you, yeah. You know, let me just, and I'll let you, I want you to go more into that. It's just, I would just want to make an observation that 
for a long time. So I've been in the collaboration technology space for most of my 30 year career. Yeah. And, you know, in the late nineties, when some of the social capabilities started popping up and my, my college roommate was running the beta program for AOL instant messenger, like right after AOL bought ICQ, that's how far back I go. Um, and so I got involved and I was on the beta testing for AOL and, and then, uh, started using there's really cool cross IM platforms like trillion to pull in the feeds from the different areas. Um, but what my, the observation around collaboration technology is that so much of collaboration historically is focused on document collaboration and make sure that we get everything in there. And, and just my observation back when I got into this space in the late nineties was there's so much value that's being missed. That's not in the documents. Like I hand you a document and you're like, well, what's in this? I then summarize it. That summary is not the document. You then ask me questions, all of the questions, all of my answers where I'm walking you through some of what I documented, what's what's workflows are in that document. So all of this contextual information, that's a value and really is what makes the document work, the process that it outlines actually, you know, on the ground to be able to go and take action on it, do that. Just like a side conversation, you go to somebody for help. Well, usually like none of that gets captured through that. And, and so much of like driving, this has been a, again, the end of my observation, driving so much of the conversation to the chats is because then you're able to capture that. An organization can see what are the most common questions? What are the most common questions that then got acceptable answers? What are the documents that they got pushed to? The experts, the people that got, it's like so much data that you can get about how people are working together and how they're actually finding help. Like it's it's an incredibly you know important uh, tool for measuring search and discovery and collaboration. Yeah, and I think definitely on on an internal level around collaboration, like when you have a document, being able to now like where you can slack an internal person, right? Mm -hmm. Or you know who wrote the document, like that's available inside companies where there's ways to do that to get in touch, right? It would be kind of cool if like on a document, you just be like, literally like click, hey, chat with Christian who wrote this real quick and ask a question. And I can just go, Hey, yeah. Christian, when you said this, so yeah. we're literally doing that, but for prospects. So if you're like hmm. a physician, right. And you're like reading an, an article about a, you know, an ultrasound something and like some ultrasound tech, you know, uh, article. And you're like, Hey, does it do this? And you could ask the company. That's where, where I believe like that, that prospect experience is the best possible thing is wherever they're at, not, it doesn't have to be on the site. It can be whatever the company's talked about and wherever that expert is. Now, obviously not all doctors who do like research stuff about COVID are going to go, yeah, I want to take random questions from every doctor in the world. And I want to hang out online so that I can see those things and be aware. Right. But, but at the same time, it depends on, on that. There are, you know, as companies, they're really interested in that, Yeah. you know, because otherwise it's mostly just intent data that you just kind of go, okay, this person might've been interested, they might've been there. And so I definitely see that, you know, from the collaboration world of internal, that's a really cool use case in general 
of making sure to get to the right person, answer that question and go, what are the questions and caps and all that's captioned any chatbot platform, you know, it'll, it'll give you that data. And that's where I think AI is so cool. Like if you can then go, here are the high intent questions, here are the not as high intent questions and let's get rid of all the noise. And these are ones that we need to build into the article around content uh, to get them the right information or build into the chat bot to get the right answers so they don't have to talk to someone. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I'm interested in getting your perspective like uh, on, on like the, the, because you've done a lot of the deployments, you know, where you talk about finding the right prospects and use that as a, you know, for companies to really look at the technology as helping drive into their pipeline. And, and I'd yeah. love to hear some examples of that. I just had another thought, and this is a little bit of a rabbit hole going a different direction, but, you know, uh, in our hyper-connected world, like with any of your clients in those deployments, so they've gotten built, have, has, have you done any participating in research or companies that have come back and said, you know what, we need to, like, it, it's it's too involving or, or end users are kind of pushing back on that or, you know, and where you've had to kind of scale some of that ratchet back. Yeah, this, that is a really fascinating question. So when you, one of the initial um, objections that comes up from salespeople when they're going to, you know, put a, you know, a chat bot on their site mm -hmm. uh, is they go, well, we're busy. Hmm. We're like, what if we're not available to chat with someone? I think it's hilarious. Number one, because this is someone who's on your website, who's a hand raiser going, I have a question before booking a demo. We already can know they're qualified. Maybe they're even uh, an account-owned, uh, you know, lead, right? And it's going to that exact person that's in their target account. Is there anything more important that that salesperson can be doing at that time besides being in the middle of a demo? No, right? It's like in the moment. Now, when you start to uh, get lots and lots of conversations, and we have had this happen, we'd like, you know, because people aren't typically set up properly when they build out a chatbot system. It doesn't matter if they're on Drift or qualified or you know, um, whatever the other ones are. I'm, we mainly work with the big boys, so it's yeah. mostly the big platforms. But uh, in general, you're, they're just not set up properly, right? So they're not, they're only getting like, they have a couple of pop-ups that pop up and try to interact. They're getting like a half percent or 1% of people interacting. When you build out something proper with the proper activation points, like you get rid of forms on your site. You have buttons that say, I have a question, book now, goes to a bot, it qualifies. Well, when you're increasing that by like 800% or 1,000%, you're going from like a couple a day to like 50 or 100, that's a big deal. So it's the way you structure it. So my, what happens is you send anyone who's not qualified, who has a question to a BDR or SDR. That's their job is to answer those questions and move them either to a Zoom meeting or whatever, and then go ahead and, or uh, book them on a calendar after qualifying with an eight, right? As people come, they get too many questions, even for the BDRs or SDRs, that's where AI comes in. So you can build out, and there's two ways to do it. One is you can use things that are just keywords. Um, and uh, a keyword is basically just like uh, the word like cat, right? So if you were to say, hey, anything in the word cat in it, here's the answer we're gonna give. So to give you an example, uh, uh, with the ballooning site, right? With the Seattle ballooning thing when I started it. One of the ones I put in was, um, you know, is it safe, right? So the words were actually safe 
scary, dangerous. There's all kinds of keywords. And based on if you use those keywords, we can assume here's the correct answer we're going to give, right? That is the very base. That's not machine learning. That's just here's a category. <laughs> here's a word. It's an exact phrase match. It's a contained. It's similar, right? Here's the answer. And when you start getting really busy, well, you can get rid of probably 30 to 40% of all chats by putting in a couple keywords. Like, it, really going like, like, like it depends. That'll get rid of a bunch. <laughs> yeah. Well, you still have to give an answer, right? Yeah, so like, it's probably something like, does it integrate with this? And yeah. if you get enough live chat conversations, you go, okay, these are the most common questions. Yeah. So uh, I was speaking um, specifically to the, is hot ballooning safe? If you say right. it depends, that'll clear out. Some of the yeah, like one of them was like it, availability. It or thins like, out the herd. It tends to Yeah, be like the one was like availability or a right. date, right? Those are real obvious. I'm like, okay, they're trying to book flight. Or like right. if they say infant baby, I know, okay, this is probably the answer. What happens eventually is you start using NLP models and AI models that basically are going, great, here's the questions and the general questions no matter how they ask this question, we can give the right answer. What it does is gets rid of the noise. Yeah. And you're getting rid of the noise and then you, you go, okay, that's a high intent question. What path are we gonna take them down? And, and it's when you get so busy, that's where AI becomes valuable. Until you're at that point, it's actually not super valuable because you're not getting enough questions to go, do we need to not have a live person on yeah. in order to answer that? Because again, with chat, it all comes down to one thing, which is right. it's not answering every question you have, Christian. The goal is let me answer your one damn question and then move you to a Zoom meeting. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, but I had to say that I like, I was going to ask, like, do you have data that shows like how people respond to the chat bots versus like going like in a, I, I, again, I go back to support. Uh, yeah. And I just think of how the automated process again because i understand what they the, all the questions they have to ask having run support teams and been in the it world for most of my career uh you know like i get it i'm not as frustrated as normal human beings are around that, like that process however the process the automated process it's so much faster yeah to get that's, through that's that the thing, Christian. but it's but just do, yeah but do are people frustrated by that versus the 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 human? Uh, if it's a crappy build, <laughs> there's no better way yeah. to say that. So so right. you know these platforms are amazing, right? And I think that's anything just like with Salesforce, right? Salesforce is an uh, or any type of CRM is an amazing platform, right? You can do anything on it, but if your sales ops guys don't build it out properly with clean data and all kinds of stuff. You basically have this system that's pointless for salespeople and there's no optimization, right? It's the exact same thing with chatbots. So if you've been and you've experienced a great chatbot that answered your questions and got you directly to the person you needed and it was right away and or they weren't available and it dropped their calendar, you're like, hell yeah, right? And you're excited. If the chatbot goes, oh, I didn't understand that uh, and or it gives you some random answer and it makes it hard to connect to someone, well, that's not a, a powerful prospect experience or customer service experience. And you'll, you'll find, you know, I don't think, I think no matter what, whether you're a large company or a small company, this is a really, really challenging thing right now uh, in order to get it right. And you've got both the customer service side and the prospect side, and they're actually separated because it's understanding like, where is that prospect at? 
right? Are they someone who's already had a demo? Are they someone right. who hasn't? Is it someone who's a customer? Is it, you know? Well, that's just like marketing and, and, and where so many companies fail. How frustrating it is that you might've had two or three phone calls with the company and they call you or you dial in and, they, and they're starting the whole process over. It's like, you've right. got my phone number. How not know who you're talking to and the fact that I just got a call from you guys a week ago. So that's the value. That's the value of like a well-built system is when you come to the site, it gives you a different experience based on you've been here before, based on you're in some Marketo smart list, right? Saying, hey, you've been here before and your target account uh, or hey, you've already had a demo. You actually have different opening um, openers, right? As the chatbot pops up based on where someone's at in the sales process, which building that kind of ABM or account-based marketing, you know, um, uh, strategy is what everyone wants to do. And that personalization, right? That's the golden ticket. The challenge is, is there's the basics people haven't done yet before getting there. And I'll explain what I mean by the basics. It's really, are there, have you created points across the site where people can easily access salespeople or customer service. Meaning uh, if there's a button, does that go to a form or does it go to a chatbot that knows who you are and connects you to your sales rep you're already working with? Does it ping the sales rep? Does it know you're already a current customer and, and ask you, hey, are you needing more services? You need to connect to your customer account, right? All those people can be connected through chatbots, um, but, but then it's figuring out, well, where are the other places on our site that we've got this slow process of filling out a form of this kind of old school model of lead gen, right? Like I'm talking, you fill out a form, it gets scored in Salesforce or whatever platform you're using. And then some salesperson or SDR or BDR reaches out with their 10 email cadence and outreach or sales loft or whatever they're doing. And then eventually you hope you get in touch versus like, hey, they're reading this article well, why not have a chat bot on the side of the article or a, or a button on there that says like, hey, have a question specifically about Microsoft Dynamics, need, need to chat, and then it can qualify to go, hey, we don't know who this person is. Let me ask one or two questions and then get them to the right team. And I think that's what, that's the core. If you set those things up on your content, you ungate content, you, you, you do all those pieces where there's accessibility with the chat bots, then you're ready to crush it. Then you get to do ABM. Then you get to do cool stuff. Besides that, there's no point to you build your core to really do those things because you don't get that. That's where you get the massive lift. The cool sub personalization, it helps, but it, we're not talking like 20, 30, 50% increase. We're talking like one, 2% tiny right. little things. Sure. I'm looking at the big stuff first. Then we can yeah. play later. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, I mean, that's a great point. It's like you, you want to... Uh, you want to get rid of those. You want to automate those core processes. You're the fine tuning. You're always going to fine tune and stuff will change and things that are out there. I mean, yep. it, you know, again, you want to, it, the ongoing, the nurturing relationship with customers that have already been captured within the system and to have them and make sure that their ongoing experience, that is important. You're right. It's not going to close as many deals and things, but there's, um, 
I mean, there's a, there's a different conversation, but the, the uh, mistake a lot of companies make is they focus so much on closing the business and then they're less concerned about closed business and the ongoing relationship. And then they wonder why the retention numbers are not what they should be. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's uh, you know, other- but, And that fits into it. I mean, I really think that fits into that. That fits into kind of a, you know, whether it's like, a, you know, most of the systems we, that people have large companies is like they're in Mark, either, uh, you know, Marketo, Pardot or something like that, right? Right, sure. In sure. those systems, like the question is, did they create those silos to go, this person is here in this use case so that we can connect with them properly? You know, in, in retention, in whatever it is, when we come to say, we know who they are, they're connected automatically, like, their you know account rep gets pinged on their phone like hey john's on the site and here's the pop that says from that sale that account rep going hey john if you have any questions i'm here that is epic oh yeah building that only requires actually it's not that hard in platforms but it is challenging to figure out that initial strategy and get everyone on board that that is important and the change management outside of like let's just use zendesk let's just like get back to them eventually. And it's all about creating an extraordinary experience, whether that's customer service or a prospect or just an okay, like, hey, let's hope our net promoter score is good. <laughs> you know, you know it, it's so, uh, having worked in some uh, software companies that were very, uh, you know, sales focused and they got that part, they were very tuned into that. We used to use other tools, like we didn't have this kind of capability. Right. Uh, this is like 10, 12 years ago. Um, but we had other tools that, uh, you know, if, if somebody breathed on our website, we knew like that there's somebody there and it would go across whether if they had already gone through our system, their name appeared. If we, if it was somebody within the same IP range of somebody that we know, like it was very intelligent. So we know, Hey, somebody from company XYZ, there's actually three people from company XYZ on our site. Hey, we know who one of them are like our salespeople kind of like what you indicated before. It's like any salesperson who's worth their weight is going to want to be on that instantly. They're not going to yeah. wait. They're going to be like, you know, and so they would go and say, well, what are they doing? What are they in there? Now we had spent a bunch of time, you know, doing automation to understand like, what's the profile of that? What can we send them? They're looking in on this page or this product. We, they've already downloaded that ebook. They were already part of that webinar. It's like, well, what about this other thing that's brand new? So let's do a timely email to that person and of this new resource, like, hey, was thinking about you. Like they, they were good about not just be like, hey, I see that you're on our website. Like, yeah. no, bro. But that's the that's the difference now is you know all these chatbot platforms have all the IP stuff. So right. I already know actually like, hey, the exact company it's from. I know their size, their number of employees. You know, I know their revenue. I know where they're located. And you got these 80, you know, how many Twitter followers they have, right? right. You know, yeah. uh, if they've gone on a balloon flight last year, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, but it gives you all this information and yeah. then you can use that to create specific conversations when they're there and to interact while they're on site. So, but it also is giving kind of like the salesperson knowing and pinging them going, uh, well, we know it's actually John or we know this is part of the buying party. Well, that's humongous. Right. So it's really in these, in all these platforms, there's all these different, whether it's with video and then it, it takes all this other data that you're sending, whether they're interacting with a video with chat, they're on a piece of content with chat, they're interacting with the website with a chat bot, all that data kind of comes in and goes, 
hey, here's here's what's going on with this whole deal versus it being kind of dark before or just like a sales where you have to randomly reach out like that. And that's the difference. And I think that's where, you know, where I'd love to shift this conversation is kind of the, the what happens pre-website, right? Because you've got like someone comes to chat on a website, then there's that whole like dark funnel, right? Like you don't even know. Are you familiar with the dark funnel? I'm assuming you've chatted probably about it before. No, the dark funnel. No. Okay, this is this it, is cool. It sounds like something out of Star Wars, so I'm interested. <laughs> right, so the dark funnel basically is like anywhere on the internet where you a prospect is searching about a company or a solution mm-hmm. and they haven't reached your site yet. So okay. you don't know who they are yet. You don't have that IP address. You can't see the company because of, of uh, you know, Clearbit or whatever solution you have, right? And so there's all these intent data companies, right? Like six cents and other, all these different ones that go, hey, we're going to collect all this intent. And they give that to salespeople to go, hey, this person like was on this one article, maybe researching it or on G2, you know, looking at this solution, you should reach out because there's some intent. The challenge is it's not a lead, right? Like that's not a lead, like, hey, I'm interested in your solution. So basically you just have like a whole bunch of random people reaching out to this dude or not knowing who they are. Right. And the company going, interested in a new CRM? Uh, interested in this, here's what we can right. do, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's where I saw was the most interesting. I'm like, okay, what if like you could take the chatbot stuff from, from the website and instead of waiting on all that intent data and like hoping you're reaching the right person, why not if you just give contextual articles on your site and blog posts? Well, if you if if the New York Times is an article on you, why would you force someone to leave the New York Times to answer questions about your product? Why not just allow like why not just on the New York Times answer their questions on that article and book a meeting or go, hey, do you want to jump on a Zoom real quick or qualify those people? Uh, and so that's what's really interesting. That's where it's now expanding from like, hey, here's your website to like, where else can you have conversations? But again, it only works if you don't have a terribly built chatbot that's annoying and right. doesn't answer questions, right? That That's actually a, a great question. Because so, you've made, because I, I get that, because I've seen some terribly built uh, chatbots. I think all of us have. Um, yeah. But uh, so what is the, the, the kind of the, you know, the process that you go through with the customer what, what can people kind of go to do to start organizing to prepare before they start building a solution? Uh, for a chatbot. So I think the, the two things to really think about is number one is, are you giving something valuable, right? Like, is there something valuable you're providing by engaging with them? If you're going to try and have a little pop-up on there. And when you look at kind of the stats, if you have a general opener, right? Like, hey, welcome to our website. Have any questions? Something like that, you're getting about under a half percent engagement, which means half percent of people will click into that. Um, then if you're, you think about, well, what if I'm more contextual, right? So you might say like, uh, there's, a, there's actually a really cool company I'm building for, there's this company called Balto. They're called Balto AI, right? You know, like Balto, like the dog. the dog, right? Like you remember the movie? So yeah, yeah. anyway, they they do like they they do what you're talking about. Like the, I was I'm kind of talking about, but it's really cool. But it's basically like giving real time, uh, real time advice to like customer service folks, right? And like best practices, they can say the right thing. Really yeah. cool software. But anyway, I'm building out their chatbot, and I'm like, well, we could say like. Um, you know, this helps your, your, you know, need your reps to say the same thing every time or want the best practice. You know what I want with the opener? 
have you seen the 1996 Balto movie, right? You've seen that Balto movie, right? Yeah. And it's get great, it gets great engagement because it's interesting, right? Yeah. Now, once they're in it, great. Well, now it's like, yes, I've seen it or no, I haven't, right? Yeah. And then it gives them a little bit of value. And then it goes in, here's the way we, it connects the story, right? And then it says, hey, do you want to learn more about this or this? Or like, hey, watch the movie trailer, right? That's fascinating and interesting. And people go, oh yeah, I'll click it. Okay, cool. You know, and there, there's some value there. If you don't provide value in a bot and it's not engaging initially, it's almost, it's, there's almost no point in having it, right? So, because it's just such a small, small percentage. And so what I've found is the difference between a non-engaging, non-contextual opener versus one that's contextual is either weird or it hits a real need. Like if you've got one or two needs, you can pinpoint that on your opener. You have a hundred characters. It's hard in a hundred characters to do that, right? But like, if you can do that, that's where you really, really win. Then the second piece is once you've asked that kind of, like you've given some knowledge, right? Like something that's val of value, like, hey, by doing this, you increase something by 40%, whatever it is. Then it's going, what do you want to do? Like, do you have a question? Do you want to book a demo? Do you want to learn more? Like, what do you want to do? Because it, it's really the buyers in control. And then if they go, yes, I have a question, great. Like, let them ask a question. Now I see the same thing is if you have a button on a site. So if you have a button that says book a meeting, um, not everyone will book a meeting, just like if you go to a form. The reason is people have questions. So I always put <laughs> under book a meeting or someone says, do you have a question real quick? Or do you want, need to book a meeting? And you'll find 71% of all people who click on that actually have a question before booking. And then you're getting to a live person, you get that sales experience. So I, I'd say that that's when you're, when you're thinking about it, it's like, great, are we being engaging? Are we creating something of value? And is it giving the customer or prospect what they need, right? They need to get customer service. Great, can we get them there? If they, you know, and then you can still ask your qualifying questions. Uh, and then I think that would be the second piece I explained here is people try to, pe salespeople want everything, right? Like they go, what do you want? Well, I want to know their firstborn child and what they're interested in, why they're interested in, how long they've been looking. I'm like, hey, none of that information, I don't care. Here's what I care about. What do you need to know to have a conversation with them? And who will you not have a conversation with? We call those like, in general, like those are, real qualifying questions. And typically there's two. It's like, do you have this many users on your site? <laughs> do you use Salesforce? <laughs> like whatever you're the one question, make sure that they're a prospect for you. Then you can move into a meeting. You know, does that make the, sense? The hard question is always, uh, you know, every salesperson I want to say like, like, is there a project? Is there a budget? Are you a, a person who, are you a stakeholder Such for the budget? It's that, yeah. I know, but that's, that's the part they want to know. For them to move forward and i just you know there there are a lot of questions that you can ask to qualify for the customer whether or not they are the the stakeholder the person who's writing the check on that um yeah. you know and and i, I think that it, you have to be careful with the sales pipeline this coming from more of a on the marketing side of things and i look at yeah. that and say when all you're doing is you're qualifying you're burning through great contacts because they're not ready today you burn tomorrow and a month from now, like that's a bad funnel. That's yeah, a bad and I, think, and I think what you're saying there is there's a real like, um, there's a real miss in that, in that 
you know, salespeople these days go, well, you ha I have to have all these things. That's why you have BDRs to answer questions. And I really think that there's a miss there because if you have someone who says, I want pricing, why are we connecting them with a BDR in general? Yeah. Right. And so chatbots can be used to qualify and then let's send them directly to the AEs and let's get BDRs back to like doing their real jobs. Right. Which yeah. is business development of reaching out and finding stuff. Right. So yeah. I, I think that that's a, uh, that's actually a pretty huge challenge for a lot yeah. of organizations. Well, that's why I, I just think it's uh I mean, look, there's a longer conversation around, you know, good and bad marketing and campaigns around that, but it's, and that's where marketing and sales just need to work very closely together to be able to make sure that it's a, you know, it, it, that you're not just burning through. It's not, we're not a transaction-based company. Most, most companies are not transaction-based, you know, uh, and, and so you can't just, it's not just a numbers game. Hey, we move the faster we move people through the more sales that we'll get. Like yeah. you, you just, you can't work that way. Like the market generally rejects that model, that sales model. Uh, and, and so it has to be a more thoughtful and nurturing process um, for that. And so, that, I mean, that's one of the benefits of this. Like, like I said, all the, I go back to that, what I kind of where I started, like it's gathering so much contextual data so that you know if you through the conversations through the patterns that you see the behaviors of that person on the site and the questions that are asking you can be very aggressive in the for that salesperson yeah. the ae can go and just start closing and you're asking about pricing well let's talk let's put the deal together you know hey if you're willing and this is i'm at the end of my quarter if we could do a deal here i could give you a great discount if we do a deal in the next three days kind of yeah. have those conversations but for the rest of them, you know, don't push so hard, know that it's nurturing, maybe it's further down the pipeline or someone else within their organization. And then you have better insights about organizationally what they might be looking at. I, I go back to these other tools that we would look at, not having a lot of the chat, a lot of the automation in right. place, but we were able to see through through the, these other patterns and behaviors, um, even though they weren't they had nothing to do with somebody else in the organization other than the person that we were already engaged with move, moving further down the pipeline. But we understood based on what they were looking at, the types of content that they were ingesting, um, the FAQs they were looking at, that we knew in our sales, our live conversation to talk about those specific areas. Oh, they're very security minded. They clearly have questions about this. And then we just built that in to make sure that we were answering all of the security questions with the, the, the live seller there. But yeah, it's, um, I mean, this is a, it's, it's a really fascinating space that you can also see how easily it just could be personalized and customized for your industry or for your company. And yeah, it, it really just all comes down to context. Like that's yep. what all of this comes down to. You know, if you're contextual on your website copy, like it's going to work. If you're contextual in your ads, it's going to work. If you're contextual in your, you know, your chat bots, wherever it is, it's going to work too. Yeah. Right. And it all comes down to is, can you find someone's need? Right. Or get them to interact with you. And it's different based on, you know, industry too. I mean, you take someone who's an operate, someone doing, you know, Kubernetes or someone selling some cloud software that, you know, uh, around databases or, or, you know, edge cloud or some, some random stuff that's pretty tech technical that where you have a operational developer or CIO looking at it, they're not going to interact with a regular chat bot, right? 
uh, they're going to interact on a piece of content that is specific where then they have a question and they'll choose to interact to learn more. And that's where it works for those versus like if you're a marketing company or selling some cool product and like, great, you might have a higher engagement rate. So it's actually in the strategy based on who your, your users are. It's actually almost completely different strategies of whether you're like outgoing prodding people versus letting the buyers take the action and just creating the access points. And so I kind of look at them doing both. Yeah. You know, it's like have them available and you're going to have some small, you know, percentage of people that interact depending on how contextual or if you know that exact need that someone has versus on deep pages, man, if it's a good solid article, <laughs> incredible. And I think this is the funniest thing, Christian, I think you'll find hilarious. So I was, uh, this last summer, I was, um, I was flying a balloon uh, over uh, Lake Taps area and I come over on the bottom of Lake Taps, it's a gated community, come down, put it right in the center of the cul-de-sac, right? Like 200 people come out, I'm bringing everyone together. I'm like, hey, come on over guys, show them the burners, all the kids are out. It was really fun. And all these people are asking questions, right? Like, hey, tell me about the ballooning, where'd you go? How much does it cost, right? And then there's people on the outside of the gate aren't answering any questions. So we book a whole bunch of rides from like people literally go right down and book rides, people that ask their question. People yeah. on the outside of the gate didn't book. What that is, it's gated content. And this yeah. is a really funny thing, right? Yeah, like, that's a that great was true, like real life gated content, right? <laughs> so what I find hilarious is, you know, company market, you know, companies and marketing departments build awesome content, right? They build like, they spend so much time and money building out this, these case studies and these white papers, this beautiful stuff, right? That if someone reads, they're going to go, holy cow, that's cool. I have a question. I want that, right? And instead we just go, well, we'll show it to you if we, if you give us all of your information first. And then people either give fake emails that they're like, I'm just not that interested. So what I tell people, I'm like, if your content sucks, you should definitely gate it. If your content is great, you should ungate it and allow a chat bot there so people can ask questions because it's going to be engaging. What we found was that when one of the companies I, I worked with, they had 27, and this is a pretty technical company. Um, we're going to do operation developers. They had 2,700 leads come in from a gated, gated forms and they booked like 22 meetings. They ungated the content, put it next to a chat bot that was contextual to that page. They got a 60% plus email capture. People asking questions, booking meetings, downloading it because they could see it because it was valuable. And so I think there's a really big shift here of content, whether it's like on site, it's on someone else's site, like wherever you're, you're doing sponsor content, whatever it is, can you allow like that moment of communication, right? On whatever it is, wherever it is, right? And, I, and, and that's where we've seen the most success with, you know, most like large enterprise brands. It's not like the random chatbots that pop up. Those are a couple percent. We're talking like 15% engagement rates on a piece of content. You know, someone yeah. asking, that's insane. Like 40% email captures. And you only get that by building like a real strategy and like, okay, is this content even good? And then let's make sure people can get to the content. You know, like not like hide it in a resource. Let's put it on the main page, like put it on this. So there's a lot of change management, you know, ends up happening, which is fascinating. Yeah, there's a lot of data that's out there over the last years. Again, you know, being more on the marketing side of things that proves out exactly that, that, that having a, you might have, it is deceiving like a higher 
uh, uh, you know, click-through rate on the gated content with like targeted audience. The reality is that like you have much larger numbers of what a lot of those measurements don't capture. So you get greater number of people that will do the call to action on the ungated content. It's a larger audience, so you get a larger number. But yeah. what they don't measure in a lot of those things is then that, again, that trickle, that nurturing effect that happens, the brand awareness that happens that you do not get through the, the gated because it's it's typically only it's a it's a smaller group. It's the people that you already know. They're invited in. They're part of that audience. Mm -hmm. And so I am very much an advocate for wide open, community based. You know the content. Have the call to action. Companies need to do a, a better job of amplifying their content. And one way is like you said, having the chat bots right in there so that people can engage contextually based on what they're reading. You get better data. They get immediate satisfaction. Like I'm reading this thing. I've got questions or I'm, you know, some people like, like I've run into this with salespeople too, where, it, you know, they have like a methodology that they go through to, to explain something to a customer and where a customer uh, like halfway through is like, no, I, I get it. I want it. I'd like to buy. And the salesperson said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not done going through my process and stuff. <laughs> Like that, that really has happened. And where you just want to just, you know, violently shake the salesperson. Why are you talking a person out of the sale? They said they're interested, they want to buy it, selling the damn piece of software. You know, what's what I, you know, I learned back in the day uh, when I was back in college, I sold educational books door to door. Hmm. I did 80 hours a week. I ended up actually for nine summers and it was a recruiter and trainer. And I met about 30,000 families face to face. And one of the things that I, that I learned was they always said, you only spend 20 minutes with a client, the customer. It's a short period of time, but he goes, if in 20 minutes, they're not willing to say yes to a couple hundred dollars buying some educational books from a nice college student who, and their kids say, yes, I'll use them. They're not going to buy. And it's still not even worth it if you spend an hour with them because you could have seen more people. And what they explained was it's, it's the buying line. And you kind of have this buying line where you come over the buying line. As soon as you're over, it's time to close. And salespeople, I think, you know, are trained this enterprise way these days where they think like, oh, I have to go through this whole process. I have to re-show the value. I have to redo all these things. But if you're listening for it, yeah. you can ask one question. They'll go, yeah, I'm ready. I, I, I mean, I find it hilarious. We sell a lot of enterprise, giant, large organizations. We only have two meetings. There's just no reason to have a third meeting right. if you're finding the need and talking to the right folks and there's value there. It really doesn't matter. And I think these sales process are hilarious. Well, that's a, another great example of that is like the car buying experience. Yep. You know, if I like it, you, you have some customers, like they don't know, they want to look around and that's fine to have all of that. And then there's the people like me, I do all my research. I know exactly what I want and with the features, let yep. me order it and stop talking to me and asking me mm -hmm. and trying to upsell or side sell and let me like drive that. Just and, get it and, done. Get me in now. Yeah. That's why I was one of the early customers. I bought a car by Autobytel in 99. That was the, I was talking about like I bought a, you know, brand new uh, Camry where I literally everything, I just, I went in, it was in, uh, if you know, Walnut Creek, California. I just like, I just, I went in, picked it up and signed the paperwork. It was less than 10 minutes. And that it took that long because they had, they were washing it before they gave it to me. Yep. I, I went in to go buy a truck. Same thing. Buy a Ford truck. I was like, I don't even care which one it is. I don't even care the color. 
I literally have an hour and a half. And they instead, it took three hours. I was like, I'm literally just paying for it with a, with a check. Here's yeah. a certified check. And I was amazed how long it still took them trying to upsell and warranties. Yeah. And I was like, guys, I'm, I'm literally just interested going in and out. So here's one of the other interesting things uh, about that, like, you know, buying line with sales folks. Yeah. With websites, what I think is interesting is uh, the new hypothesis we've come up with is it's called like uh, intent decay. It's a really kind of fun term. So like if you're researching, so you're saying like you've already researched everything about the car, like yeah. your intent at that moment is so high. Right. And then you go to the website or go to the dealership and it actually goes down because like, it's just not easy. There's not the specific thing. It's different from what you thought. And so the question is like, why not capture heal that high moment of intent versus making them do other stuff? Yeah. And, you know, that's where, you know, uh, that's what, you know, where I'm excited, you know, is like, how do you have all of the, every place where someone's, you know, doing all that deep research, let's just let them have the conversation on there with the salesperson. Like, why are we making them come from a contextual article and diving down of something non-contextual, digging through the site to get to the same point they're already at. And that's where I think like that, that it becomes interesting is as buyers are better, you know, uh, more have a bigger arsenal than ever already researched everything can you capture them in the dark tunnel you know to do the same exact thing if they say they want to buy there great get on a zoom meeting like don't make them fill out a form on your site don't make them read some article like just jump on a zoom meeting real quick and sell something you know <laughs> well then, i i really appreciate it. great conversation uh thanks for bringing it back around to the star wars reference the the dark funnel I think there needs to be some, I'll, I'll add some after effect, some uh, <laughs> delay or something, the, your voice when you say that. No, uh, so Ellie, I really appreciate you talking about it. Uh, for people that want to find out more about your your company, you know, wh where do they go? Wh what's the best way to get, get engaged and find out more? Yeah, so if you go to the botlab.io forward slash helium. Uh, so helium is the new platform that allows the chat to be able to be on any third party site. Uh, it's kind of the new ad unit for chat, which is really cool. Uh, and if people are just, you know, they've got a chat bot for their platform, for their site, and they're like, hey, we need to have this crush it. And, you know, you just go to the botlab.io. Um, so it just depends on what you're looking for. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Great engaging discussion. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can connect again and, and uh, talk about the next thing or another aspect of this. So I think well, you know what we should really do is we should just have you come out and uh, we'll we'll do it while flying in a hot air balloon. There you go. And uh, we'll do like, you know, the, at altitude at like 3000 feet, you know, and have the first the first uh, podcast you've done in the air in front of a volcano. You we know? could do that. We could live stream it. So, yeah. <laughs> it so. does get surprisingly good like Wi-Fi up there and a cell reception. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Well, really appreciate the time and we'll, uh, we'll connect soon. Awesome. Cheers. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published every Friday and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast services. Thanks for listening. Hungry for more great content? You have to check out the Shift Happens podcast. I'm your host, Dux Raymond Sai, Chief Brand Officer at AppPoint. 
and I sit down to chat with top business leaders and IT professionals about their most challenging modern workplace projects. Tune in to hear real-life advice from industry peers on making plans and pivots, casual conversations exploring the latest trends in collaborative Microsoft 365 technology, and easy, actionable strategies to make organizational change happen. Subscribe to the Shift Happens podcast today, available on all major platforms. Can't wait to see you there. Shift Happens Podcast. <laughs>